Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. We are live, and it's Sunday morning. And thank you for being a part of our show today. Sunday. And as usual, we're going to talk about the impact of Christianity on our culture. And today we are going to talk about an interesting topic that I think you'll find interesting. It's Sunday, and my name is Harriet Kamek, and this is the podcast called Down to Earth. This is the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And if I sound a little bit disturbed, probably (laughs) startled is more like it when I delved into the topic that I wanted to talk about this morning. It's quite disturbing, quite earth-shattering, and uh, this is going to be a series. So we're going to talk about this and then get into it again tomorrow on our regular podcast as we talk about this. But today I wanted to talk about the influence of conservative Christianity on the sex trafficking trade. Now, full disclosure is that I am an ordained Christian minister, so like everyone else, I have issues and concerns with how Christianity has evolved. Where did it start? How did it start? The influences and what we see today that is being propagated as Christianity within the context of Christianity as taught by its founder, Jesus Christ. Like most people, what I found is a disconnect between what Jesus said and what Jesus taught that his followers should adhere to compared to what the traditions of men have. It seems to me that people have used Christianity to do a variety of things that had nothing at all to do with salvation of the soul. Believe it or not, Christianity was about the individual. It was about saving your soul for an afterlife in heaven. Christianity also taught us how to live while here on earth, how we should live with one another. That was Jesus' life. That was what he propagated. That's what he taught. Far be it from the rest of us to see that what has been described and termed as Christianity is vastly different from the practice. What Jesus taught, what is founded in the scriptures, the New Testament part of the Bible, is very different from the traditions that we have seen. People use, people have fought wars in the name of Jesus. That's not true. And that was wrong. Jesus never told anybody to go to war. He preached love and peace. People have gone to other people's lands and conquered in the name of Jesus. Uh, No, Jesus didn't say that. (laughs) He didn't say you were to go conquer other people because in conquering other lands, it meant that you had to do what? Enslave people who lived there. That was not Christianity. That's a political movement and an economic movement that had nothing to do with Christianity. And I think the confusion surrounds when people who say they're Christian come and conquer. They come to someone that they went to someone else's land and conquered and then said they were Christians, then taught you, the conquered, 
to live according to Christianity. So like everybody else, I myself too have been uh, curious about this for some time. I've been wondering where did this movement begin? Who started it? Where did this kind of movement begin? And as most of you know that I'm also an advocate to end human trafficking, my foundation, the Exodus Foundation, is based here in Detroit, Michigan. And we focus on survivors of trafficking, those who were trafficked as children. So it's a specific demographic, those who were trafficked as children, women who are now over 18 and who find themselves homeless and require services, rehabilitative services, in order for them to exist. There are a number of these individuals. They're often hidden in the shadows. They rarely come forward because the society, and I'm going to show you why, the society rejects them and their experiences, even though they have been violated by some of the society's very men. And so people like me uh, who advocate for an end to trafficking, we're usually given lip service but not support because on the one hand, they want to be seen doing good, but on the other hand, what I am doing is ending something that contributes to their pleasure, ending something that contributes to their pastime. So I don't get a lot of support, <laughs> but it's okay. Like my grandmother always said, there are some jobs that nobody wants to do it, but somebody has to, right? And wouldn't you believe it would take a Christian minister to have to stand up for victims of trafficking. So I want to put this in context for you. I thought I'd give you some time to digest this so you get some idea of where we're going with this because this is a something that I think is, is earth-shattering. This is something that is going to knock on your door and knock on your wood. And it's it surprised even I because I had no idea that the movement against human trafficking had begun a long, long time ago, and that what we now call human trafficking is very familiar, much more familiar than we would have thought. The problem is not that. The problem is how it was first perceived and how it was first perceived and treated and how it operated. So in an effort to find uh, remedies, we naturally look to sometimes, you know, like all human beings, we look to history to see if there's a precedent. And what did people do who lived before? They might have had a similar problem. It might not be the same problem. They might have had a similar problem. Well, how did they treat it? What did they do? So I want to, I'm talking about this because my topic is has conservative Christianity fueled the sex trafficking trade? And you're going to see why in just a minute, right? So Christians are largely of one mind that human and sex trafficking are wrong, but the strategies we use to accomplish this are vary. Right now, uh, we use law enforcement and we use some sort of moral outcry that this is wrong when done to people. And because it is wrong, we should do something about it. Uh, so we tend, to, we tend to pull on people's moral aptitude and their moral conviction that this is something that is, is an error, and this is something that Christians should not do. While at the same time, we know that some of these people who are, uh, are engaging in sex trafficking activities are perhaps people who will confess that they go to church or 
they go to services. But does that make it any right? Uh, so a hundred years ago, there were there was a movement called social purity, and social purity movements evolved after the abolition of slavery, and they were primarily uh, organized by uh, middle class evangelical Christians. And their belief was that it was organized around the belief that white women were of moral upstanding uh, fortitude and therefore they could do no wrong. And, and so everything was centered around what the white woman thought. If she thought it was wrong, then it is wrong. If she thinks something should be done about it, then it was done. A hundred years ago or more, it was, there was a movement, because, I know I understand why, they always advocated for women to be married, that a woman was unprotected if she didn't get married. You want to know why that is so? Because at that time, there was an issue called white slavery. White slavery, what happened when white women who were more who were unmarried or who were defenseless, let's just say they were defenseless, were forced into enslaved labor. Uh, they were mistreated. They were it was usually done typically, just like human trafficking, done by force, by violence, and by drugs. And inevitably those women were forced into prostitution, which is uh, sex work, commercial sex work. Does that sound familiar? Well, who were the good, upstanding men who were buying sex from white slaves? And who were the good, upstanding men who participated in it? Christians, right? So the conservative Christian movement was that these things were morally wrong and should not be engaged in. That's a good thing. I agree with that. That's a good thing. The problem with that was that while some people were looking down on others, their husbands were participating and encouraging sexual slavery. Here's the thing about that. There was a distinction made between white slavery and black slavery. Because white slaves, white sexual slaves, especially white women who were forced into sexual slavery, were treated the same as black slaves, there was an outcry. But nobody cried out when black people were forced into slavery, were given drugs, were violated physically and sexually. Nobody cried out. So where was the outcry? Where was the moral outcry? But you say you're a Christian, but you didn't cry out when blacks were being enslaved. But you're going to cry out because a white woman is defenseless. Such is the crux and the moral contradiction of conservative Christianity at that time. You were all messed up. You were all caught up because white women were forced into slavery who were defenseless. Either they didn't have parents or fathers or whatever their social situations were. But at the same time, you still thought that they were better than the black slave whom you took from Africa and brought here. I want to let you know that human trafficking is a global problem. It happens everywhere in the world, especially in some countries in Europe, especially in Eastern Europe where people 
are not, you know, their societies have been collapsing for decades because of wars, and people are looking for work. They're just traveling to another country in Europe to look for work. Inevitably, they're forced into sexual slavery. They're treated as slaves. That is still happening today, right as we speak. Human trafficking is a global problem. It's not just here in the U.S. Some of these folks end up on containers and are brought here to the United States. But those from Europe, they are sent to other countries in Europe. Maybe that's why Britain wanted to get out of the EU. They had enough. Too many people ended up on their shores who were trafficked. If they had sovereign control of their shores, just maybe they would have greater control over what comes into their ports. So they could organize and keep their country the way they want to keep their country. Wasn't a bad idea. I actually supported Brexit, if you want to know the truth. Right? But to look at how the sex trafficking trade began, it began because a group of people got together, evangelical middle class Christians, who created the social purist movement. You couldn't even have sex. You were only supposed to have sex maybe standing up or something. You weren't supposed to enjoy it. (laughs) Or at least that's one of the parodies of the movement, right? But sex was not supposed to happen outside of marriage, and it was very strict. And you were required to maintain a certain moral, upright conduct. Well, there was a lot of hypocrisy in that because a lot of those very same people had black slaves, and a lot of those very same people were having sex with their black slaves. They were beating them. They were forcing them. A lot of those very same people created the Jim Crow laws. So my question is, how did conservative Christianity allow the sex trafficking trade to proliferate? Because they turned a blind eye to women, black women, who were exiting slavery and who were being sexually violated by white men. But if it happened to a white woman, then it became a social outcry. And Christians, as usual, were right in the mix and sitting there watching it. This is why today, with history and written history, not just the traditions that are passed down orally, oral traditions, but written history, this is why today there is such a a hardship to proselytize and to gather young minds and draw young minds to Christianity to organize religion, because now that we have more proof of what happened, now that information is now released more, the more people know is the more people are, the more questions people are asking. What happened here? How did this happen? How did we get from there to here? How did Christians know slavery was happening and did nothing about it? And it's a question that I can't answer. I wasn't alive at the time. And most of us, we simply can't answer it. Because how do you say that you are a Christian following the teachings of Jesus Christ, but you allowed a system that enslaved people to continue? And as if that weren't enough, you then enslaved women. You looked at people who were defenseless. So there was something evil and wrong with us that we looked at people who were defenseless and decided we were going to use them to satisfy our own pernicious desires. When you look at the sex trafficking trade, for instance, even it originates and happens right under our very eyes. 
trafficking is not easy. In, as a matter of fact, the United States had passed the law, the White Slave Tra- uh, uh, Slavery Act of 1910. I will tell you some more about it. Tune in tomorrow. I'll tell you some more about that. Would you believe that? In 2000, the United States made human trafficking illegal. Human trafficking is using people by force, fraud, and coercion for commercial sex acts and labor use. Remember that, right? Ford, frost, and coercion happening right now. And where were Christians? This is, this is why when people like I go out to talk to groups, I've noticed that people are uncomfortable, and it makes all of us uncomfortable. And they're like, why are you involved? I've been asked that question. Why are you involved? I said, because it's almost happened to me. It could have been worse. By the grace of God, I got out. Right? I faced some of the very issues that sex tra- uh, that human trafficking victims face. And so in an, effort, in an effort, you could say that I self-heal because in an effort to heal, I advocate for an end to it because it helps me to recover, to deal with the issues that, I, that, that emanate from it. Because you wake up and as you, you start asking questions. While you're in it, it's fight or flight trying to survive. But when you emerge, you're trying to understand how did that happen to me and who is responsible? Who should pay for this? How do I make them pay to make sure it doesn't happen to me or anyone I know? And so when you look at sex trafficking as an evil, as a societal evil, it's something that we all need to pay attention to, and especially those of us who say we are believers in faith, whether our faith is Christian or Muslim, if you believe in God, there is something inherently wrong with the enslavement of anybody. Right now, we could be driving past homes where people are shackled in basements. We could be driving past homes where men go in freely and have sex with people who are shackled and who are forced into slavery and who are given drugs to maintain their submissiveness. We've come a long, long, mighty way. We've come a long way, haven't we? From the days when to have a wife or to have a woman meant that she had to be submissive. Mean, submission was predicated on her adhering to everything her master said, who was her husband. We've come a long way from the days when women were treated as property. So I was no different than the piece of land that you owed, you owned, or your house or your crops, or the watch on your hand. We've come a long way, and we still have a ways to go in order to ensure that these things do not continue to happen. And the moral outcry has become from Christians to say this is wrong, whether it happens here in America or whether it happens anywhere else, it's still wrong. Even if it doesn't happen right now with the advent of sex trafficking, we noticed that people coming across the border, all of us began to wonder, well, what happens to them when they get lost in the system? What happens to them when they're being repatriated back home? Somewhere something happens. What happens to the children? Nobody wanted to deal with it because they were not white. So again, Christianity is about color and race. And if you are not white, and it is not happening to the white person, 
then it's not something that Christians are going to, conservative Christians or people who refer to themselves as conservative Christians or people who refer to themselves as evangelical Christians, it's not something they're going to pay attention to because it's not their issue. And where does this come from? It has, an, it has a historical precedent. It started right after the abolition of slavery. They had to find a way to retain some kind of control. And out of the control, the outcry was, well, we're not bad people because we want a maid or a servant to work for us. But that same conditioning meant that your husband, your white husband was going to have sex with a black slave, the black female slave. Do you see? And these are the social issues that confront all of us. And this is why a lot of people today and a lot of people of color are saying, why are you still a Christian? How can you support a religion or believe in a religion that enslaved your people and believe in a religion that continues to enslave others? And I continually find myself saying, because they did not follow the teachings of that religion. The teachings of that religion were love and joy and peace. Go pick up the New Testament. That's what Jesus said. When you read the Old Testament, everything that could have gone wrong happened. Then Jesus came and said, time out, time out. This is it. Enough. From now on, do this, do this, do that. Nobody followed that. Could we say that it's because we are accustomed, people were accustomed to just doing bad? And, oh, yeah, Jesus makes sense, but... Dude, it's not really going to work. When Jesus left, they were like, we don't have to follow that. We can just cloak it in something else and call it a different name. And this is, and especially today, with the more information that people have, people are more aware today. People are more educated. There are more avenues for information for you to draw. Like recently we discovered that the military used to uh, participate in slavery. We didn't, we never knew that. And all along, this information was in the National Archives. I guess it was suppressed because they didn't want people to know because maybe it has an element of embarrassment that the revered institution, one of the most revered institutions in our country is the military. We believe the the military has an honor code, but we found out that the military used to pay its officers for personal servants as those same officers would use free labor, slaves, and keep the money for themselves. Then they would send the voucher in to be reimbursed. It's stuff like that that causes you, gives you pause. And then there were Christian uh, propagators who continually expounded on the tenets of the faith, but all they did was give lip service but did not practice it. Well, what is the practice of Christianity? Love, joy, peace on earth, goodwill to all men, love one another. Can we practice that? Even if you don't look like me, you don't sound like me, even if we speak a different language, we're a different form of clothing, love, joy, peace, goodwill to all men. That's Christianity. That's not politics. Politics is a whole different ballgame. Politics with all the attendant uh, ramifications, that's different. We're not talking about politics. We're talking about religion. 
we're talking about Christianity and Christian leaders who continue to form their own political biases and continue to expound it from their perspective and their platforms as Christians. Stop it. You're not interested in the faith. You're using it as a platform to launch yourself. Just say it. Just say, I I was a Christian preacher and I want to be involved in politics now. I leave it alone. Just come clean. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? Let me read you some facts, right? I got some facts here I want to read. Social purity movements led by middle-class Christian evangelicals are rooted in assumptions that a woman's natural moral nature should be pure, pious, and submissive. So then, women who are victims of sex trafficking are inherently to blame for their moral failures. You know that you know what we call that? Victim blaming. Is it any wonder that Christianity turned a blind eye to what is happening to sex trafficking victims? I have felt that myself. Good Christians, even Christians who look like me, have made me feel that I was guilty of what happened to me. You ever heard us talk about victims of violence? You go into the courtroom and you get no mercy or sympathy or empathy from the court. Have you ever heard that? Well, let me tell you a story. So in 2017, I set up I had set up the Exodus Foundation and we got a place, we had a shelter and so on. And a friend of mine found a donor and she wanted to, she felt that donor had a contribution to make. So she wanted to invite her to be on my board. But I am very, how shall I say, I don't just, I can talk to you all day, but when it comes to something where you're going to have power, to sign something that attached to me, I treat it in a whole different way. We can shake hands all day. You can write a check and donate all day. But when you are going to be given power to have a say in my affairs, I want to proceed with caution. My friend at the time didn't see it that way. She just thought that if this person, and I'm like, how well do you know the person? I'll take your word for it, but how well do you know them? Well, I just met them and so on. I said, well, I don't know them. And inviting them to be part of the board is a decision I would rather take on their advisement. So she said, well, why don't you have a talk with her? Call her on the phone, have a talk with her, and, you know, have coffee with her. I said, that's an excellent idea. Remember, now, we set up the shelter for human sex trafficking victims who are 18 years and older, who are women who were victimized as children and who were trafficked as children, and as a result of their victimhood experience, are now homeless. Remember that. Okay, so Harriet called the woman. I called her on the phone. And when I called her on the phone, guess what? She immediately, she said, so you're an ex-whore helping other ex-whores. I kid you not. She said it. You know what that was? That was this. Her Christian attitude. Let me read the definition for you one more time. Women who are victims of sex and human trafficking are to blame for their inherent moral failure. She was blaming me that it was my moral failure, that my ex-husband beat me up, 
dragged me across the floor by my hair, confiscated my identification document, kept me enslaved in a house, locked the doors and locked me in so I could not escape. She was blaming me that it was my moral failure. You've got to understand, this is some almost 20 years after this happened. Can you imagine the silence she was greeted with on the phone? All I said to her was, thank you very much for your donation. Have a good day. When I called my friend and told her, she was, you could tell that she felt funny that someone whom she had placed her trust in had perhaps offended me. But she didn't want to pay the attention that was required because after all, everybody is a good Christian. And she said, well, Harriet, look at the moral good. Look at, you know, look at the bigger picture. She's, she's helping. I said, really? But she called me an ex for. I said, with that kind of attitude, how is she going to deal with the victims who come in? Because if she were ready to call me an ex for, <laughs> what would she say to the victims who have stories to tell? At least in my case, I was married to the victimizer. At least in my story, the victimizer was someone I had been married to for over 13 years. But she was calling me an ex-whore. She was, do you know this woman was also an ordained minister? In fact, her husband was a minister and had a, they had a church. So my friend thought it was a symbiotic relationship that was going to help. This is what we're talking about. How Christians feel that automatically they are morally righteous. And therefore, they can say anything to anybody. This is the problem. We, we hide behind this quote, you know, this faith. And we declare that because we're Christians, we're inherently good people and have inherently good moral character. Therefore, anybody whom any bad thing happens to is their own moral failing. Do you know that I went into a church and that was the prevailing attitude? That your marriage failed, your husband, your ex-husband beat you up because it was your moral failure that caused a wicked man who dragged me across the floor by my hair. I didn't drag myself across the floor by my hair. But because it happened to me, Christian made it sound like it was my moral failure. Is there any reason today why Christianity is up in arms? I swear to you, God must be sitting up in heaven like, what the heck is going on? This was not the plan. And they continue to perpetuate it. Uh, Recently, I had an interview with a Catholic priest, right? I went to sit with him because he's been doing some good work in the community, and I heard about him. And I had to go sit with him. And I kid you not, I walked away from it feeling like I really felt sorry for the guy, and I'm also glad he's older because he has lived through so much. But inherently, he looks, he's a normal person. He's like, the whole thing has just gotten away from us. He's like, Harriet, we've lost it. It has gotten away from us. The way it should have been was not the way it happened, and it has to do with power and control. I was like, spoken like a true believer, dude. This is all about power and control. And as Christians, what I have found is that we still have that thing in us where we want to feel like we're better than others where we feel like we're better than others and I have power over you because 
That kind of thing does not happen to me. It only happens to people like you. Where is your humanity? And where is your grace? If, if you have received grace, because the, one of the tenets of the Christian faith is that as a receiver of grace, you should give grace. Where's your grace? Where was this woman's grace to me on the phone? She'd never met me. She had not, I, I, I never graced her with my presence. Never. Because I said to my friend, I said, if that is how she's going to talk to me, how is she going to talk to these victims? Even with the girls who came into my shelter, as broken as they were, and some of the things they told me that had happened to them, one of them experienced sex trafficking from she was seven years old in the basement of a church in Colorado. As egregious as that was, I still didn't call her a victim. I just said, well, what do you want done, baby? I looked at them through the eyes of, I failed, the society failed, everybody failed because we all on our watch let this happen and did nothing about it. But here is this Christian on the phone calling me an ex-whore. I was like, seriously? I remember coming home to tell my youngest daughter at the time. And she said, Mom, if that is the attitude, I hate to think what next will happen. I have noticed how we tend to treat people. Yeah? We look at people. And we look at people and we view them as if they're not significant. We look at how people are dressed. And all of us, in an effort to not be derided by the society, we make sure that we are dressed and present ourselves. Even if we are humble in our attitudes, we still present ourselves as if we don't want anybody to pick on you. Yeah? Because people still look at you and judge you. Good, upstanding Christians. We all need to change. We all need to examine ourselves. You know what Jesus said? If you do it to the least of these, you do it for me. So feed the, have you fed the hungry? Have you gone into the prison? And these are the things that a lot of people tick off and say, well, I do that. Well, I do that. Well, I do that. Well, how do you really feel? Because you're going to look at me on the phone. Never, And you're going to call me an ex whore. What she didn't understand and what she could not possibly have known was how much that would rank her. You see, I grew up very conservative. It was almost, I felt, the first thing I felt was, dang, I let down my grandmother. I let down the people who raised me. I let down my grandparents. I let down the people who raised me. You see, you see the, victim, the victimization in it? That was the first thought. I said, oh, my God. She totally misconstrued my effort. I am not saying that there is, while there is anything wrong with what others have done in sex work, I am just saying that she called me a whore on the phone, something that wasn't true, and she, she was a pastor's wife. Right? Because she saw herself as morally superior and the experiences that happened to me 
happened because of my moral failure. It helped me. What she didn't understand was it struck back to something my ex-husband had lied on me in court about that had required me to get my family to come as character witnesses in a divorce proceeding. And my mother told my ex-husband that I will never forgive you for doing that to my daughter because when you met my child, I told her not to marry you and she went against my will. And she said, for you to call my daughter that, whom we raised to be better, and whom we raised to be better than you, for I tell you, it was a whole thing. But you know what it did to me? I remember hanging up the phone. And all of a sudden, my experiences, they just kind of just became clear. Have you ever just had that moment of clarity when the flashlight bulb came on? See, I was part of a church community. I had been part of a church community. And I could not understand why when I first joined, they treated me with such scorn, almost as if they didn't want to touch you, they didn't want to, you know, uh, talk to you. I couldn't understand it. I thought they were Christian. Then I understood it. It's because that thing in them, the socialization and the teaching of their Christianity was that they were morally better and that what happened to me was because I had inherent moral failure. These are people who were regularly having sex with sex workers, who were having sex with children, even in the church, and dared to point a finger at me because my ex-husband beat me up. This woman was on the phone. She knew nothing about me. I don't know what Elaine must have told her, my friend Elaine. I really don't know what she told her. All I know is that she assumed that the reason that I was helping other women, women who had been victimized by sex trafficking was that I was standing on Cass Corridor, too. Can you imagine? <laughs> my father must have switched over in his grave. At the time, my mother had died. She had just died. I couldn't even, If mom were alive, friend, and I had come home to tell her that, she would have called that woman. I kid you not. Such a thing. But that is the extent to which Christian conservative, because Christian conservatism is like, well, we don't drink, we don't smoke, we don't do drugs, we don't participate in illicit sex, we're not immoral. But why are the victims of sex trafficking telling us that pastors go to them and preachers go to them? Why? Tell me. Tell me why are they telling us? Tell me why male uh, prostitutes are telling us that pastors with the Bible on the back seat of the car is pulling up and inviting them to have sex. Tell me why. I am saying deal with your issues before they deal with you publicly. You might just have an itch to scratch why that subject rankles you some more. Because one of the things I discovered while I was handling victims of sex trafficking is that a lot of women had issues with sex workers. And I was like, I'm not getting this. What's the issue? So I asked the victim. And they said, well, they're blaming us because their men come to us. So I said, oh, so then I would ask women, I was like, what's the issue? There's something morally wrong with this, with people who participate in this. And then they would stare at me twice. 
I guess at the time I hadn't was you know I didn't experience that part of marriage where you know your husband regularly would leave home and go be with a prostitute and come back. I guess I never knew that. I had not lived that, so I wasn't intimately familiar with how painful that must have been. But all of a sudden, when that woman said that, I, it, it gave me thought, man. It made me think. I said, so you're telling me that people actually think that they're morally better than others? That people actually think that what happens to these girls who were trafficked and people had been having sex with them from they were kids is their fault? And because it didn't happen to you, it meant, I kid you not. I guess in a lot of ways it explains everything because I felt like, so you think you are morally, you're better than me because you were violated. It's the same thing rape victims feel. Did you know that? Victims of rape don't come forward because we judge them. Because we make it seem as if it's their fault why they were raped. This is why we have engaged in this, we call it victim blaming, and we're trying to create awareness around it so that we all understand that we have a role to play in the hurt and the rehabilitation of others. None of us are reprieved from that. We all have a role to play. We can't just sit by and let victims be roughshod and be run over, whatever the issues are. You don't know what forces people to have to go sell their bodies on the street. You don't know what kind of choices they may have to make. If you put yourself in their shoe, I'm jolly well sure that you would find that you couldn't walk around in it for a day. Lucky you that you never had to contemplate that. But what about the people who didn't have a choice? What about the people who were raped from they were three years old and five years old over and over and shackled? And by the time they start having periods at 12 years old, grown men of the community are coming in to have sex with them. What about those people? You're still going to blame them that a 12-year-old girl, it's her fault that a grown man has sex with her? It's her fault. It's her moral failing. And then you go and sit in church, pick up the Bible. I don't know how the Bible doesn't catch on fire in people's hands. Sometimes I think Jesus had it wrong. When he said it's a new day and we're in the dispensation of grace, I'm like, dude, really? We probably need to go back to the days when people did things like that in the Old Testament. They caught on fire. How can you pick up a Bible and go in church and say something when you know that people are having sex with children who are sitting right in front of you because they come to you for counseling? Why are you not reporting them? Call the police. Report them. Okay, so they write you a big check so everything is just, man, that I'm just going to leave this alone. No, because if they do it to one, what happens? You know it. They do it to, they do it to others. They do it to others. And this is the moral conundrum that we face as Christians. This is why Christianity, it's very difficult to explain to millennials and to explain to younger children what happens. Why do people continue to do these things? It's very difficult for me to explain to my children why they should continue to be a Christian. Because now that they're older, they're asking questions. And they're like, so where were the Christians who lived next door while dad was beating you and dragging you across the floor by your hair, mom? 
Where were the Christians? I went into one church and asked for counseling. And I have black and blue bruises on my face covered over with makeup, but you could still see it begging for mercy. And the pastor still told me to go home and submit. You know what that was? That was inherent racism. That happened in an assembly of God church in Deltona, Florida. I don't think that pastor is still around today. The scorn that I was treated with, I began to realize after a while that maybe this is a part of racism here you are not seeing. Only to find out years later that it has its roots in the old moral aptitude and attitude of white women who thought that they were better and who thought that there was such a thing as white slavery because white women inherently are better human beings than black than black slaves. That's where it comes from. It was fueled by the social purity thought that because of the color of my skin, I am purer than anybody else. What a losing idea that was. What a failing idea that was. How have we failed hundreds and hundreds and millions of humanity by thinking, by daring to think you are following the teachings of a humble man from the Sea of Galilee who was a carpenter? But yet here you are thinking you are better than others. And to think a hundred or so years later that black Christians who are conservatives adopt the same thinking and for one of them to call me on the phone and exhort. I swear to you, my mother must have slipped a hundred times in her grave. Just saying it right now, I know if there is such a thing, my mother must be switching over and over because she can't get up to come deal, do something about it. I wouldn't even tell my grandmother who is still alive. This might be the first time I've ever talked about it because the folks who raised me and who know me are probably like, where's that woman today who said that? But that's what conservatism does. It applies a band-aid and it tells people that you are, whatever happens to you, it's because of your own moral failure. You lost your job, it's your own failure, it's your own moral failure. Your husband left you, it's your own moral failure. Your wife left you, it's your own moral failure. You lost your house, it's your own moral failure. That's what conservatism does. It does not address the societal issues that contribute to the decline of morality. It does not address the fact that individuals create these situations because they want to enslave others. No, conservatism says it's your fault why you are the way you are. And you don't try hard enough. How many times have we heard that foolishness? It's your fault. It doesn't address that there were others that could contribute. This is why I I tend to be very careful about people who want to say something to me about my life and and so on. And uh, people sometimes misunderstand because I give you the time of day as a courtesy. But then... I'm going to take it under advisement and shut your ass down by not listening to you. Don't come to me with foolishness. A few months ago, I was somewhere and a young man purporting to be a prophet came and was trying to talk to me. 
what he didn't realize was what he was trying to give as a prophetic advice sounded like it was a criticism that was coming from someone else who didn't have the courage to face me. But I listened. I like when people, you, you know, my grandfather used to tell me, you should give, learn to give people enough rope to hang themselves. My grandfather was patient, I'm not. So his idea was if you give people enough rope to hang themselves, eventually when they get cut off, it's because they have strung themselves up. I, when I was younger, I couldn't be bothered with that. That took too long. But you see, as I get older, it's a very effective policy. So I let him talk. I even let him talk for on two more occasions after that. And then I cut him off. I guess now they're busy trying to find me. No, you should not have said what you said and said it from the perspective of God told you. God didn't tell you that. That's what someone else told you to say to me because they didn't have the courage to say it themselves. That's that conservatism mentality that you are where you are because you're inherently of moral ineptitude or there's something immorally wrong with you. Right? And unfortunately, we have done great harm to people because of this. Sex trafficking is just one part of it. Human trafficking is just one part of it. People are wringing their hands like, oh, 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 well, look at what we have done to people. You, you know, uh, one, of the, 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 one of the ideologies now about violence prevention, when we start talking to people who have experienced violence and sometimes people who perpetrate violence on others, when the dust is settled and they're in jail and so on, and you start talking to them, the question then becomes, what happened to you? The reason I say that is because when you say what happened to you, what it does is it opens the window to learn something about the person. Because after a while, you realize that people are way more victimized than we think. And I'm not one of those people who just like to just put a victim on everything, a victim label on everything. But I like to ask, what happened to you? When I see men beating up women, I'm like, what happened to you? I'm like, I know what happened to you. You grew up watching somebody else and forcing that on others, and you determined that you would never be powerless. Somebody else beat you up, so now you're going to beat others up. It's simple. What happened to you? Conservatism doesn't take that into consideration. No, they don't. You fail because it's your own moral fault. I encounter it every day on Twitter. Seriously. When I start talking about social issues and what happens, they tell me that black people whine too much and that this is happening to you because you don't try hard enough without taking into consideration the social and political context that people live in, that there were laws that prevented people from advancing and there were movements <laughs> that prevented people from advancing. No, the idea is, is the same movement today that does not acknowledge racism. <laughs> right? But now we have a much bigger problem because when we look at sex trafficking and human trafficking, we begin to see that there is a tie that binds from the past straight into the present. 
That's why I say all the time that if you want answers to the future, you got to look in the past. The past is a teacher. The past teaches us. Because unknown to us, there was a thing called white slavery. Nobody ever talked about it. It was not taught in college campuses. It's just recently becoming aware of it because it was not something anybody was proud of. Proud of. But that is the beginning of human trafficking. Human trafficking began with the enslavement of people and forcing people against themselves. The other component of it, of course, is what? Well, if you got them here and you want to have sex, you don't have to pay for it. You don't have to marry. You don't have to put a title on it. Like somebody once said to me, you don't need a piece of paper for it. That's sex trafficking. Hmm. And that was fueled by this attitude that those things happen to those people because inherently their moral character, their moral character is compromised. Isn't that crazy? And I'm sitting here like, seriously? Let me just leave you with this thought. There are plenty of children in the system right now. Many of these children have been victimized and sexually abused. You want to help them, help them. But for the love of God, don't go in there with the attitude that what happened to these children happened because they were moral failures. Don't go in there with the attitude that they're there because their parents are of inherent bad character. Help or walk away. Pick your choice. Victims of human sex trafficking, and there are many today, they didn't sign up for this. They didn't sign up for this. This happened. And they had to find a way to deal with it. It's rough and it's tough. But it is what it is. We need to change it. So if you call yourself a Christian, and if you say that I'm a Christian, and the reason I'm a Christian is because I'm a good moral character, and this happens to people because something is wrong with them, check yourself. Why? Every time I say something like this, look at my hand. You see there's a finger pointing back at me? I judge me too. I have to ask me, what do you really think? What are you thinking? What's your motive behind it? Why does this bother you? What's your thinking behind it? Ask yourself why. We got to do that, right? Recently, I drove past a man on the bridge And it was so cold and it was snowing. I didn't want to roll my window down. And I was like, I don't have any singles. I'd have to go in my purse. And, you know, you're at the traffic light. You don't have that much time to do it. And I heard myself say, you used to keep the singles available. So when you saw them, you would do it. You know what happened later that day? I went to meet with with, with a priest. Guess what he said? He brought up the scripture, Matthew 25, that said, I was hungry and you fed me. I started crying. Tears welled up in my eyes. Because guess what? That man standing up there, he was hungry. And I drove past him because I didn't want the snow to come in on me and wet me up and feel cold. I wouldn't reach into my wallet to take out one dollar. That would have made a difference in his life. So, yes, I judge me too. I ask myself, do you do enough? When I go to bed at night, I ask my, I hold me accountable. Do you, did, did you do what you were supposed to do today? Even coming here 
to speak to you guys. I ask myself, did you say it? Did you create awareness? Did you let them know that this is happening? So I'm challenging you. When you see victims, people, you've got to realize the difference between the victim and the perpetrator. Sometimes the perpetrator is also a victim, but that's another story for another time. When you see someone who has been victimized, a sex trafficking, a human trafficking victim, don't judge. Just help. Don't say, well, it's your own moral failing. Just help. Because you don't know their story. And some of these folks were victimized when they were kids. You really think that's fair? I don't think so. My name is Harriet Kamek. This has been Down to Earth. It's Sunday morning. So we talk about faith. If you have any questions, you can reach me. I believe my number is 248-491-8139. You're welcome to call me. Leave a message. If, I, if we don't answer, we're probably dealing with other folks. You can also go to my website, harrietkamek.com. Send us an email. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and ask us for some questions. The program is called Down to Earth. And it is Sunday morning. I want to thank you so much for being a part of my experience this morning, and I look forward to speaking with you tomorrow as we talk about white slavery. Thank you so much, everybody. Be blessed. Hey. (laughs) Bye for now. (laughs) Bye. Thanks for joining. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.